Creative Sandbox Way Podcast, Episode 195. Hello, I am Melissa Dinwiddie, and I believe that life is too short not to express the innate creativity inside of you. So I wrote a book called The Creative Sandbox Way, based around 10 guideposts that I developed to get myself out of creative stuck and back to the sense of playful creativity that I naturally had when I was a four-year-old. That book was just the tip of the iceberg. I continue the conversation with this podcast. Let's jump in. The third episode of this podcast was called Six Reasons to Share Your Work Before You Feel Ready. That was the third episode back when the podcast was called Live Creative Now. Yeah, I changed the name some time ago. I don't know, maybe a year ago or something. I don't remember. Anyway, I have believed for a long time that creating, getting creating, doing the thing is just the first half of the creative process. It's a very important part. (laughs) But if you never connect with anyone through your art, through whatever it is that you create, if you never share, then something is missing. Well, today's guest, Mike Brennan, not only relates to this, but for him, art is connection. And connecting with him was such a profound experience for me when I met him last fall that I had to bring him on the podcast. I wanted to share his story with you. It's an important story, and I hope you can relate to it. I introduce him right at the start of our conversation. So without further ado, here is my conversation with artist Mike Brennan. Enjoy. Mike Brennan shares experiences through art and design. Some of his work includes custom rock star pet portraits, pop culture art, yoga art, live event sketching, original paintings, and graphic design. He recently authored and illustrated the books Dear Snow, One Man's Angry Rant Against Winter, The Art of Yoga, and Dear Human, What Your Dog Is Really Thinking. While the media and subject matter may vary, he creates art that shares experiences to form connections with his audience. And his art has been featured on AMC's Talking Dead and the Sci-Fi Channel's Artist Spotlight. Pretty cool. And I am really thrilled to have Mike here on the podcast. Welcome, Mike. Thank you so much. My pleasure. You know, I when we met at Tribe Conference last this past October, I had such a fascinating conversation with you. I just knew that I wanted to have you on the podcast. And what really intrigued me, especially intrigued me, was your story about your personal journey from depression Mm -hmm. to daily art 
And I, I know that you spent quite a long time not making art Mm -hmm. and then into making art daily. And that, that was a real transformative journey for you. So can you talk about, first of all, what, what led you to this long stretch of time of not creating it since you're such a creative person, mm-hmm. clearly, which I relate mm-hmm. to and, and, ha- and, and then what changed? Sure. Yeah. Um, I feel like I need to give a little bit of context just so that it makes a little more sense as far as that break you mentioned. Yeah. But really like I'm one of those people who has always considered myself an artist, um, you know, even from an early age, you know, when I was a kid, I was making greeting cards for my, you know, parents and relatives, you know, trying to copy comic books and comic strips. And those were all the things in my world that were like feeding my artistic desire. You know, that's, that's really all that I knew. It's all that I wanted to pursue and so that's kind of the journey that I headed off into. Um, I ended up going into graphic design. And uh, that was kind of a conversation I had with my parents because they didn't want me to be, of course, the quote unquote starving artist. And so they figured, well, graphic design at least is something more commercially viable. And so I was okay with that because I was like, well, I like music too. And so I like to do album cover art and things like that. And so it kind of bridged a couple of different worlds for me. You know, I headed off into that world and spent a long time in graphic design, big and small agencies, um, working in the corporate world for a little while, then all the way down to smaller places where I was actually the art department. Um, so kind of had the full range of experience. And eventually, you know, I, I kind of hit this wall. I say that I kind of felt like I was becoming part of the machine where every two weeks there was a deadline that was happening and I was cranking out this work. And I wasn't really able to even, you know, enjoy the work that I had just done. And I had to move on to something else and things became very routine. And I started to just ask questions like, is this it? You know, have I arrived? Is this all there is? You know, every, every few years I would bounce around to another place, another position, but I was very unsatisfied. And at the same time, there was another part of me that was very uh, relational driven and very connected to my home church. And I always loved like kind of, you know, getting out of work and then heading on to some events that were happening at my church and serving and being with people and being a help to people really. And so I found more and more that that was the thing that was really lighting up my heart. You know, I wanted to help people. I couldn't wait to have opportunities to do that. And so what ended up happening was I ended up leaving the graphic design world and and kind of creative world altogether and went into full-time ministry. And so that was a huge jump and kind of a um, kind of a, a rebirth, if you will, into something completely new in some respects. Um, and so that meant a move. It meant all these different changes that went on. And I was okay with that because I was like, you know what, this is what I really feel like I, I'm being called to do. Uh, that's what it felt like a calling, you know? And so I moved into that space and kind of hit the ground running and tried to learn as much as I could um, going from a volunteer type position in, in helping people to a full-time position where this was actually my job uh, learning curve there ended up um, connecting with my best friend who is my brother-in-law um, long story short, we ended up launching a church together. So we kind of created this new environment where people could come in and it was kind of like what type of environment would we want, you know, when we were growing up, that kind of thing. And so you know, this is maybe about a nine or 10 year stretch. And in this stretch, 
I really hadn't done anything as far as my own personal art. I kind of hung that up when I hung up my graphic design. And because this, this position of being in full-time ministry was so demanding and pulled me in a lot of other directions, but it was okay because I was helping people and I was, it was experiencing new things until eventually uh, I, I got about five years into this new church that, that I had helped start. And people began telling me like, you know, you're not yourself. And I think you might be depressed. And that kind of came as a surprise to me in a little, little bit, because I always considered myself someone who was very hopeful and somebody who was um, able to just, you know, figure things out on my own. And all of a sudden now I was faced with a situation where I was like, I think people are right, but I don't know how to get myself out of this. I felt like emotionally, like I was a big balled up, knotted, you know, twine ball. And, um, and I couldn't find the end. I couldn't find the edges. And I just knew that I couldn't continue the way things were going but really didn't know what else to do. And so, um, you know, sought some counseling and eventually it, it was determined that, you know, it was best for me to, to move away from full-time ministry. And that kind of led me to a place where it was very painful, to be honest, um, but also like a, a clean slate type thing where I really didn't know what was next because I had spent this amount of time outside of graphic design and I felt like some of that world passed me by a little bit because as you know, you know, with technology and trends and things like that, it's very easy for that to happen in a short amount of time. And I didn't really feel like I was done helping people and, and that having a connection and role of what I was working at. So I really didn't know what to do with this space. And so um, ended up just really, spending a lot of time, you know, wrestling in my faith and praying a lot and seeking a lot of counsel from people and um, seeking, you know, uh, to, to just, you know, have some therapy really um, and figure out how do I move out of this space and how do I get healthy again? And so that was really the foundation for me coming back to my art because it was through that pain and through that, that ex, you know, really uh, um, excruciatingly painful time that it led me to question a lot of things. It led me to really uh, a place where I knew I needed kind of a Phoenix moment, you know, rising from the ashes and um, embracing whatever was to come next, even though I didn't know what that was. I didn't know what it looked like. And for me in the beginning, especially, all I had the strength to do was just kind of show up for that next day, you know, and say, okay, well, let me show up and just do something today and was writing in my journal a lot and just trying to figure some things out. And it eventually led me to this place where I said, you know, I want to get back in touch with this place of art for me, not for clients, not for, you know, somebody else's project, somebody else's logo, somebody else's packaging, somebody else's whatever. Um, but really a place where I was like, my own soul needs this uh, to, to create just because not that anyone might see it. Maybe, um, maybe they will, maybe they won't. Um, but just so that I can know that I have something that I feel like I'm, I'm back in touch with the real me. And so part of that was figuring out, well, how do you do that? Like, how do you come back to something that you've been away from for like about 10 years? And to be honest with you, at first I really wasn't sure because I would, you know, get some sketchbooks and take out the normal, you know, um, tools that I would try to use. And I would kind of flirt with art a little bit. You know, I'd have these, you know, fits and spurts where I would do a little something and then kind of put it away. And then I'm like, I, I know I want to do something, but it's not, it's not progressing. It's not, it's not happening the way I want it to. 
And so I ended up getting introduced to this book called The Creative License by this guy, Danny Gregory. You know, it was recommended to me. In this book, Danny talks about this whole idea of doing a daily drawing or painting. And not only that, but he also talks a lot about drawing style and about kind of giving yourself some grace and like some of the wonkiness, as he calls it, of your drawing style. That actually might be your style. I mean, there's always room for improvement and growth and, you know, to try to um, to grow as an artist. But sometimes you also need to embrace those imperfections because those are the things that make something really unique in you. And so it was feeding me with messages that I really needed at that point. And one of the sticking points I also had somewhere along the way, I believe the lie that I couldn't draw. I couldn't be a real artist. I could be a designer, but I couldn't be a real artist because I couldn't do photorealism style. And I don't know why I latched onto that as my benchmark, but for some reason I did. And I just convinced myself that I really couldn't draw well. Now, I knew in my mind that there were plenty of other artists that did other styles and didn't necessarily, you know, uh, latch onto that formula, if you will. But for me, for some reason, that was like the definition of success. And so I had to really break that and shake that off and say, no, I'm going to figure out what the right kind of art for me is to do. And the way that I'm going to do that is just by diving in. And so day one opened up my sketchbook. And I sketched this awful Starbucks coffee cup and I looked at it and I was like, Oh my goodness. Like I'm embarrassed by this. Um, But I also knew that there was something that was happening that was bigger than just that individual drawing, because it was the moment that I decided I'm stepping back into this and I don't know what this necessarily is, but I know it's a beginning. And so I told myself, I just need to keep showing up, show up the next day, show up the next day, show up the next day. And even if I did something that was like a crappy drawing, it's okay because tomorrow is a new day. And so what I found was that I started to get some momentum and I started to learn more about myself, learn about my style, learn about the interests that I had, what kind of materials I really wanted to use. And so that really made my journey blossom to now I'm approaching at the time of this recording, like seven years where it's been every single day, a drawing or painting consecutively. And so that journey has taught me really a lifetime of of valuable insights and um, has really showed me what kind of artist that I am, given me confidence and given me the ability to examine my own journey and actually help other people too. Oh my God. I resonate so much with your story so much about your story. And one of the things I love about it also is how how much self-awareness you have, mm-hmm. your ability to look back and see the arc of your story and connect the dots. It's so beautiful. Well, that's one of the things I think that's hardwired into me is to find meaning and purpose. And so I do that a lot as far as the self-awareness thing. I journal a lot. I'm always thinking about like, especially in the season where I am now thinking, how can I bring redemption to some things? You know, like if you have to go through something that's awful and that's crappy, how can there be some redemption to that so that you've learned something and maybe some other people can learn something out of it too? Yeah. Are you familiar with StrengthsFinder 2.0? Yeah. I I wouldn't be surprised if you're very high in connectedness, which is my top my top strength. So 
Yeah. <laughs> Matter of fact, that is when, you know, people, you know, always talk about like, find your why of what, what it is that you do. Mm-hmm. That's, that's right there. I do. I create art to form connections. Um, I, I love that people. And, and so the, the, you know, the medium that I use and the, the subject matter may change and flow, but at the core of it, it's always wanting to connect, you know, connect with people through my art. Yeah. And I feel like it's not, my art isn't complete until there's a connection. So- yes. Uh, you know, I, I love that so much. And I, w- I want to, I want to unpack that more and dive into that. Cause I know you've done some s- such wonderful things around that. I resonate with that. When I, back in 2010, when I was coming back to making art myself, I had a, a kind of a breakdown and I realized that I didn't have to keep doing what I had been doing for the previous, whatever it had been, 12 years or something, which was working as a ketubah artist. A ketubah is a Jewish marriage contract. And and I'd, I had kind of been going with blinders on for for such a long time thinking, well, this is what I got to do for the rest of my life, which of course is not true. And suddenly I realized that, no, I, I didn't have to be a ketubah artist for the rest of my life and a jazz singer at night. And and I could kind of decide what I could decide. What, what do I want to do? And I didn't really know. But what I did know, what I did figure out was that my happiness really rested on two big pillars. In addition to my friends and my family and the people that I was close to, creative expression in all the various different forms that it takes and making a difference. Yeah. Those are the two things that are really like, like those are the things that make me happy. And, you know, you can see why I feel like you were such a kindred spirit. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and the feeling was mutual. Yeah. So one of the things that just made my toes tingle when you were telling me your story, when we met at tribe was how you use your art to make a difference. You had just, you had been a designer and, and then you went into ministry and then you figured out how to really combine your creativity, your art, and your this great, deep, deep core need and desire and calling mm-hmm. to make a difference through your art. And yeah. you really used Instagram mm-hmm. to do that. So can you tell that story? Yeah, absolutely. So part of my 365 day journey in the beginning, it was, it was in my sketchbook and it was using some traditional materials and I was playing around a lot. I was trying to figure out and find my way. And eventually I found my way back to, and it's kind of funny because in the beginning I said, I am not going to do digital because digital was my graphic design world. And I was like, this is not going to even resemble that at all. And so I drew a line in the sand and I was like, you stay over there. I'm over here. I'm getting my hands dirty. I need tactile experience. And and honestly, that's what I needed at that point in my journey, which was fine. And, you know, eventually I swung back around a little bit more towards middle ground where I started to play around with some digital tools. And when the iPad Pro came out and the pencil, Apple Pencil, that was a huge game changer. Before that, I was dabbling, you know, using a couple of other more rudimentary stylus and stuff. Um, but when that came out, the the sensitivity and everything was really incredible. And also the resolution, which was huge for me too. So I started using more and more digital tools. And I thought to myself, you know, I'm doing this drawing or painting a day, every single day. And I set up little projects for myself. 
um, which is another thing that I figured out about myself along the way is that to think like, okay, 365 days, that's too big of a chunk. I can't Mm. wrap my head around that. Yeah. So I said, okay, well, I can do 30 days of faces. Let me dive into that. That's a month. Okay. Or even like seven days, you know, seven days of birds, you know? And so I started to really break things down to smaller chunks that were more manageable and also allowing myself that like, if I didn't like something or wasn't really resonating, I knew that it was a finite amount of time and I would switch gears again anyway. So through that process, I was also struggling because I was like, you know, I really want to get out to some more drawing classes, but don't necessarily have the time to be able to do that. You know, I don't want to take time away from my family. And then there's the expense um, and then somewhat, you know, travel. I really wanted to get back to a place where I was drawing the human figure in interesting poses. And so I was like, you know, how, how can I do this without just trying to pick something out of my head or just, you know, look up a Google image or whatever, you know? And so I don't even know where the thought came from, but it was like, Hey, um, there's a lot of people on Instagram posting like yoga poses. And so that was a big part of that journey for me was finding some of this, you know, photo reference, if you will, and then using that to draw, you know, as inspiration. And then I was like, you know, instead of just posting it, because part of my, my accountability became posting on social media every single day as I was doing this 365 day journey so that, you know, it did a couple of things. One, it was accountability, like I said, for me that as people saw me posting this, if, if I missed a day or something, they would be calling me out on it and be like, Hey, I didn't see your post when I, you know, is everything all right? And it also allowed me to tap into some other people, a community, if you will, um, their eyes, their thoughts. And again, find that connection piece, you know, because especially in the beginning, I didn't trust myself enough with knowing like, you know, is this something that's valuable enough to share? It, are other people going to find benefit to this? Yeah. Um, I was still trying to figure that or come back in touch with that place um, to know. And so I would, I would use the, the photos as reference and then I would post on Instagram and then I would tag people who helped inspire the art. And so what ended up happening was that every day I'm doing this, I'm tagging a new person and they would be surprised by this art that I posted that they helped inspire. And they were like, wow, this is incredible. Like, thank you so much for sharing this. And thank you for, you know, just allowing me to to influence you in that way and and be an inspiration. And so um, I love the way that that made me feel too, because it, it, it brought me back to the days of, like I said, when I was a kid where I'm creating art and giving it to somebody else, mm. seeing their face light up, bringing them joy, uh, knowing that something that I made can have an impact on somebody else's life, you know, bring them, even if it's just for a moment to make them smile, like that's enough of a currency to make it worthwhile in creating. And so, um, I just kept doing that more and more and more. And eventually, you know, a little bit more of a community grew out of that and people would share it and they would share it with their network of people. And then, you know, it, it just kind of keeps growing and, and I've moved in and out of different spaces, not just the yoga art, um, but also some other things, you know, every once in a while I'll come across, you know, some celebrity photography or something that, that inspires me in some way. And so, you know, I'll post it and I'll tag, you know, an actor or somebody and every once in a while, you know, someone will see something and like it and share it. And I feel like that's also a way for me to give back to them to say, Hey, I really appreciate the work that you bring to your craft and really enjoy the show that you're in or the movie that you're in. Um, and so again, it's always from a place of giving and a place of connectedness, even if it's just a fleeting moment of, 
you know, a couple of characters, you know, typed on a social media stream, you know? I love that. There's a couple of things that I, I love so much about that. One is that you figured out a way to use the use social media as a, a resource so that you wouldn't have to, you know, go out to, you know, I don't know, just do a Google search or go, right. you know, out to, to a to a class or something. So you used it as a resource and then you use it as a way to give back. And and also, you know, I resonate with it so much because I use Instagram as a way to put my work out there and let it go and enable me to see my work through other people's eyes mm -hmm. so that when strangers take the time to lift their thumb and tap the like button, I'm not, I'm not putting my work out there seeking validation, mm -hmm. which is a different, very different mindset, right? I'm putting my work out there and letting it go, mm -hmm. but I'm putting my work out, out there and half the time I might be thinking, well, that was a piece of crap, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but then, you know, I get a handful of likes mm -hmm. and I'm not, you know, I don't make mass, you know, work that, that has mass appeal. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to get thousands of likes on all, whatever I put out there. And that's fine. You know, my ego doesn't like it, but I have, you know, this is okay. I'm come to terms with that. And, but when I do get likes on something, it, what it enables me to do, especially the things that I think, well, awesome piece of crap. That's really <laughs> awful. My gremlins are telling me, who yeah. do you think you are? You're not an artist. You should never pick up a pen ever again, whatever the nasty things that my gremlins say, but people have taken the time to like it. It enables me to take off the gremlin glasses and look at my work through somebody else's neutral glasses. So I can see my work as if it were somebody else's work. Mm -hmm. And that's a very interesting place to be because then when I can look at my work as if it's somebody else's work, I'm so much less critical and I'm so much more compassionate towards the work. And I can actually look at it and think, well, that's an actually, actually a very interesting piece. I kind of like it, or I can like aspects of it. I can see the value in it that somebody else saw that made them actually tap the like button. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is, which is incredibly valuable. And for you, you have been sharing your work with this mindset of generosity, which is, you know, so many of us share our work with a mindset of, kind of a frozen need mm. of validate me, validate me, tell me I'm okay. Tell me I'm good enough. It's like the opposite mindset from this. Here's something that I'm offering. Mm. Yeah. I think, you know, that comes from the place in my journey of having gone through so many years where there wasn't that confidence or I didn't know what my voice was. I didn't know what my style was. And honestly, I spent a long period of time, many years in my life, showing up and asking people like, what do you want me to do? Like, what am I supposed to do? And I didn't take ownership over my own journey. And some of that was just baggage of like growing up and facing rejection and hurts and things and, and having low self-confidence even though people would tell me like, oh, you're talented. Oh, you know, you can do these great things. 
there was always the yeah, but um, that was hanging over my head and in my heart, honestly. And it wasn't until, you know, I think sometimes you need to be broken and bruised in order to be put back together again and made whole. And then also to be useful, you know, and there are things that you can only learn uh, in a journey when you experience dark times and the pain that you can't get any other way. And so, um, you know, it's that, it's that double-edged sword, right? Because it's, you so want the outcome. You so want the, to, to land in the place where you're healthy and, and, and you're able to do that and give and, and not have to worry about, you know, the validation externally, um, which, you know, by the way, it's, it's not always, you know, there are always days when you're just that inner critic is there too, you know, um, and you're, you're like, somebody please like this, you know, uh, somebody please. <laughs> um, you know, it's not completely gone, but, you know, you know, and then the other side is you don't want to go through the hard times that form you so right. that you can respond that way. You know, we kind of want the best of every world without having to really suffer, really, <laughs> you know, honestly. So true. But you're but, so right. It is the suffering, mm-hmm. man, that that gives us the depth and the richness of, I don't know, to, to be able to to give back and to be who we are and mm-hmm. I would not be where I am now without all the suffering that I went through, which, oh God, I would never want to go through again. I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But I'm grateful now that I did go through it because it, I, I wouldn't be able to do what I do now without having gone through it. So there you go. And, and, you know, I think everybody has that right? Whether you're, whether you consider yourself an artist or a quote unquote creative person at at all, I think everybody has those things, those places in life that are broken. Um, those, those stages and, and, and seasons where you're moving through that you're like, I don't know what to do with this. This is a part of my story that I really don't want to share. Don't want to see any redemptive value. Maybe, um, we'd rather tuck them away and, and ignore it and pretend it didn't happen. But I think until we come to that place where we can embrace it, we can look for some redemption in it and then start to share it, you know, when it's appropriate and and depending on the situations, obviously, but when we can use it and leverage that, you know, season to help somebody else to bring some healing, some light, some wisdom, something to somebody else, um, then, then that's when I feel like, okay, yes, that's where there's really extreme value. Yeah. I think that's so also just completely tied up with, or just so related to voice also, Mm -hmm. you know, you mean, you were talking before about how you felt like you weren't a real artist or a good enough artist or something because you didn't feel like you could, you know, draw you didn't have the photographic realist mm-hmm. style or whatever. And I completely relate to that. So I, I think it's very, it's kind of epidemic actually that, mm-hmm. that feeling <laughs> we're not alone. <laughs> and yet your style is so fabulously wonderful because you are not yet another photographic realist. It, it, I mean, how boring you would be if you were yet another photographic realist. It's the wonkiness. Mm -hmm. It's the, 
the quirkiness of your own non-photographic realist style that makes it you. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, the more that I move around other artists, especially younger artists, and I see this in, in my own journey as well, you know, there's this portion where like, especially if you've gone to art school, art school equips you with techniques and methods and, you know, shows you how to use certain materials and, and all these wonderful things. And, and I had a great experience at art school. I don't, I'm not one of those people who's bashing art school, but I think the, the academic approach that's there is, you know, copy the masters, mm-hmm. um, you know, refine your skill and your execution so that you're copying these people who we put up on the pedestal and, and rightfully so, because a lot of these works are amazing. But what I think ends up happening is that it's kind of like the equivalent of, you know, in music where if you have a band that's together and they're like, Hey, you know, we're learning our instruments and we're, we're getting better and this is great. And we're playing all these cover tunes, right? We're, we're playing the favorite songs that we have that we grew up with. And we want to just continue to, to put these out there and this is going to be great. We're going to go around and just keep playing these but they don't progress to a point where they're actually writing their own songs. Yeah. They don't progress to a point where they've taken the, the 10 different bands that have influenced them that maybe across the board, you know, musically um, and put them in the blender and mixed them up and said, let's see what comes out. That's not just a ripoff of this person or that person, but that was influenced. You can see strains of it, but this is actually mine, you know? And yes. I think that's when we, we really appreciate, um, you know, things in our culture that are done really well. I think we're seeing a lot more of that. We're seeing influences. We're seeing strains of things when people talk in interviews of like, Hey, you know, this person really influenced me, you know, uh, you know, movie makers, you know, they reference older movies and older, you know, movie makers. And, and you're like, Oh, I can see that. I can see that coming in. I can see where they, they drew from things because obviously nothing is new under the sun, but they didn't just rip something off completely. Yeah. Influenced them. And then it came out of them in a way that their fingerprints were all over it. Yeah. So well said. Yeah. Well, I know you have a a course Mm -hmm. that um, you created based on your own journey called your artist journey. Can you talk a little bit about what, what your course is? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And, you know, Right now, actually, uh, the course just closed at the time of this recording uh, last week, but it will be opening again in another probably month or two. Um, But this course came about because I recognized that there were things along my journey that were just important lessons for me to learn. And again, the whole idea of reaching back and redeeming some things that are not just for me, but for other people. The more I started talking to some other artists who were like, I'm frustrated you know, maybe they're, they're in a creative day job and all day long they're creating, but it's for somebody else and they never get a chance to, to insert their own voice, their own vision. Um, there's a committee of people who are always dictating what they do, how they do it. Um, anytime that they put forth an idea, it, you know, maybe it gets squashed because of a client or, you know, whatever it is, they, they have this frustration and yet they'll go home and think, the last thing that I have energy to do is to create something else. I've been creating all day long. I'm depleted. And then it just goes on and on and on and the years roll by and they're stuck in this place of frustration going, what I'm doing during the day is not connecting with me as an individual 
And yet I don't know what to do about that. So we have some people like that, right? Then there are some other people who are more in the camp of like where I was, where they hung it up for a while. There's a long period of time and, and, you know, situations may vary. Maybe it's somebody who decided that, you know, they, they just had to take care of a family for a little while, you know, and, and care for other people's needs. Um, they put other people's needs ahead of their own. And yet now they're in a season of change where those uh, stipulations aren't in effect anymore. And they want to come back to their art because it's still there. You can't get rid of it. It still knocks. And now they're like, I don't know how to get back to that place of reintroducing that into my world. It's been so long. What do I do? So it could be those people. It could be anybody in between where, you know, they just need some help. They need some tools and they need some, they need a guide basically. And so that's really why I put this course together was it's finding, you know, your voice and style through daily practice. That's what the the tagline is of the course. And it's explaining my journey and sharing how for me, a creative daily habit was the thing that really made the difference. That's the thing that taught me what my voice was, what my style was. That's the thing that developed confidence in me. That's the thing that gave me, you know, as of right now, there's probably over, I think it's 2,500 and something pieces that I've done over the last, like I said, almost seven years. When you keep showing up like that, things are going to happen. Things are going to change. It's, it's, you know, we know this when we look at, even if we don't like it, uh, going to the gym, right? Yep. You know that if you go, <laughs> and I say if, a big if, right? You know, if you go to the gym, you know you're going to see some results. We, we understand that. But yet somehow I think when it's connected to our creativity, we don't quite apply that same logic. We think that's somehow a different realm. But really it's how do you leverage a creative habit, a daily creative habit, so that you can grow and become the artist that you're meant to be. Oh, that's fabulous. Yeah. I love it. So it's a self-guided course that I did, you know, pre-recorded videos. Um, There's an exclusive Facebook group that people can be a part of for community, because I believe that's a big part of things too. You can't just do something in isolation to, to, you know, succeed. Uh, We need each other. We're we're designed to be in community. And so that's absolutely, absolutely. I love it. Great. And um, where can people find you? Uh, well, that particular course, you can find at yourartistjourney.com. It's artist, not plural. So yourartistjourney.com. And uh, I actually have a, a thing where if you join up my email list, uh, I give you a thing that I just devised called Art Bingo. And Art Bingo is a, a, it's a fun little device, you know, a PDF basically that you can... Um, it'll give you some tools, some, some things to experiment and play with uh, to kind of get the creative juices flowing again. And so uh, I give that as a, a little thank you for joining my list. Um, Very cool. People want to see my own art. Uh, they can go to mikebrennan.me, M-E. And uh, from there, you can see my yoga art, my pet portraits, my pop culture art, all that stuff, basically. Awesome. Uh, and as we were talking about Instagram, uh, my Instagram account is mikebone. So, um, you can find me there and I post there daily. Oh, definitely check out Mike's Instagram. It's fantastic. I love seeing what you're up to on Instagram. It's always very inspiring. So that brings us to something cool. I think you brought something cool to share. Yes. Yes. Something cool for me is an app called Procreate. 
Uh, I didn't name it. I know it's a little weird, um, but it is an app that there's a free version if you have uh, an iPhone. Uh, I'm not sure if it's available on other platforms too, because um, I'm a Mac guy. What can I say? You know, but uh, there's you can get it for your phone, and it's uh, called Pocket Procreate, and it's free. And it, you know, it's a little limited, but, um, I actually did this the other day. I didn't have anything with me to draw. Like I didn't have a sketchbook or, you know, I try and keep things around. So if that, if I find myself waiting, you know, in line someplace or I have to quote unquote kill time, I might as well leverage that for something. Right. And so I try and have some ability to, to draw and, and take advantage of that time. And so, um, <laughs> this is kind of crazy, but sometimes I, I take my phone and I'll actually try to draw on my phone using this app. And so I'm there with a tiny screen and this little stylus and try to do my drawings digitally on that. And so that that's completely free. It has layers. So if you're familiar with like Photoshop or any of those kind of programs, it gives you the ability to play around a lot and give you a lot of different tools. And if you have like an iPad or something like that, you can also get the the paid version, uh, which is just Procreate, not Pocket Procreate pocket procreate and uh i think it maybe it's nine bucks or something like that um and there's all sorts of free tools as far as brushes and things you can download and that's what i use probably i want to say 90 percent of the time these days is that app and it just gives you a lot of versatility cool i did not know that there was a an iphone pocket procreate that's awesome yeah, i will yeah, definitely have to check that out a lot of fun and uh and it's free and, you know, it kind of whets your appetite a little bit if you've never done some digital, you know, doodles or drawings. Yeah, I've I have done nothing on mobile. I've only done it on, you know, Photoshop or yeah, whatever. Yeah, it's good to you know change it up sometimes. Yeah, that like that little bit of change can spark some creativity sometimes because it forces you to get out of your routines and the definitely. Yeah, stuff. you know, I still find that like where if I'm in the mode of doing digital too much. I'm like, okay, need to take a time out from that. I need to go get out my paints and I need to just, you know, get dirty and spread some things around tactile and fling paint around, you know, <laughs> and see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. It's always good to shake it up for sure. Yeah. That is super cool. I'm excited about that. Well, my something cool this week is, is a book and a website. The book is called The Eczema Detox by Karen Fisher. F-I-S-C-H-E-R. And the website is eczemalife.com. And the reason that, that I am sharing this is because I was diagnosed with eczema just, a, I don't know, a few months ago or something. Like a year ago, I started having really just itchy, dry skin. I didn't know what was going on. I thought, oh, I guess I'm just getting old or something. And I finally got diagnosed with eczema, which is so freaking annoying. I have to say, it's just like the most annoying thing. And it's on my face and neck, which is like the most annoying place to have it. And I was like, why am I suddenly, you know, I'd have a flare up one day and then I'd be okay for a few days and then I'd flare up again. Like what's going on? Well, it turns out that 52%, I think it is, of eczema sufferers are very sensitive to salicylates. Salicylates are the active ingredient in aspirin, and it's a natural chemical in foods. Wow. And all kinds of foods have salicylates in them. And when you, and, and other, other chemicals, uh, 
eczema sufferers are often sensitive to other chemicals like amines and glutamates and things like that as well, but particularly salicylates. And when you eliminate salicylates for, you can detox from them for a period of time, it clears up your eczema. It's mm. like magic. And of wow. course, MDs are oblivious to all of this. Mm. They just put, you know, prescribe ointments, which just suppress the symptoms. Yeah. And when you suppress the symptoms, guess what? It comes out as asthma or allergies or both because eczema is works as a triad with asthma and allergies. Well, I don't want to get asthma or allergies. Thank you very much. So anyway, I am currently in this elimination diet, which is a pain in the butt, but it is working miracles. And I am in the process of testing to see which foods are actually my trigger foods, which I can then stay away from mm -hmm. and then possibly reintroduce down the road after I've detoxed. It's a miracle. So I highly, highly, highly recommend if, if you happen, if you're listening and you happen to be a, an eczema sufferer, I cannot recommend the eczema detox and eczemalife.com more highly. And there's a Facebook group, a support group for followers of uh, the book and the website, which has also been really helpful. So that is my something cool. It's been life-changing for me. I have not had to use the prescription ointments and yeah, it's like changing my life. So there you go. That's my something cool. So <laughs> Mike Brennan, it has been a real delight to connect with you, my kindred spirit. And thank you. I didn't get to mention we have a studio audience here today who's been very quiet that haven't been posting any questions in the text chat, but thank you to our studio audience from the Creator Sandbox community who have joined us today. And Mike, thank you. And I've been enjoying looking at your beautiful paintings that are behind. Nobody who's listening can see them, but I've yeah. been enjoying looking at them. So. <laughs> oh, and, and Angie just typed in the text chat. Awesome interview. Yeah. I'm thank so you. glad that you have been here. And uh, for anyone who is interested in seeing some of the paintings behind me, I do uh, some videos every once in a while where that's my backdrop. So odds are, if you follow me on social media, you'll see those paintings eventually. I do try and swap them out just so that some of the stuff gets rotation, but uh, yeah, you can enjoy it. Very, very cool. Well, this has been a great pleasure. It's great to reconnect with you. And thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, I loved it. Loved it. And you're, I love connecting with you again, too. Awesome. Thank you. That's it. That's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Mike Brennan. Let me know if you resonated. And connect with me on LinkedIn or Instagram. And to dive deeper and meet other creative, open-hearted, like-minded women from all over the world at every stage of the creative journey, join me in the Creative Sandbox community. Support, encourage, and learn from each other. Find inspiration every day in our online forum, which is not on Facebook, but on a private, mobile-friendly network. And your membership includes my flagship seven-day e-course, Creative Sandbox 101, which is the course that inspired my book, The Creative Sandbox Way. And as a member, you'll get to participate in the live studio audience whenever I have podcast interviews like this one. And for a limited time, the membership is half off at just $10 a month. You can check it out over at creativesandboxcommunity.com. That's creativesandboxcommunity.com. And I would love to welcome you inside. 
Also, if you would like to connect with me in person, you have two different opportunities. First, you can join me at the next Creative Sandbox Play Day if you happen to be in or near Silicon Valley. Creative Sandbox Play Day is a half-day co-working retreat to come together with other creatives to get stuff done on your creative projects. You can write or paint or knit or bead or draw or collage or whatever you want. And if you don't have a creative project, not to worry, just come and play with my art supplies. The next Creative Sandbox Play Day takes place in Palo Alto, California on Sunday, April 21st from 9.45 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. and it costs just $25. All experience levels are welcome. Just go to creativesandboxplayday.com to sign up. And for a deeper dive, if you're ready to spend five whole days with me, check out Creative Sandbox Retreat. The spring retreat is coming right up May 29th through June 2nd, and the late summer fall retreat is September 11th through 15th. And both retreats are super intimate opportunities to really focus on your art in the company of other open-hearted, generous, truly wonderful, playful, really fun human beings. I lead creative catalyzing sessions every morning. We laugh a ton and it's just really special. And there's a bunch of info over at creativesandboxretreat.com. That's creativesandboxretreat.com. So check it out. And if it feels like your jam, I would love to have you. Early bird pricing for the spring retreat is good through April 29th. So don't delay. And meanwhile, if you're getting value out of this podcast, share it with a friend. And I would be super appreciative if you would take a moment Hop on over to iTunes, the Apple podcast player, and leave a rating and review. And if you don't know how to do that, go to melissadinwitty.com slash iTunes dash review. That's melissadinwitty.com slash iTunes dash review for step-by-step instructions. And if you email me to let me know you left a review, excuse me, and how the podcast has made a difference in your life, That's how you can apply to be considered for the listener spotlight to be on the show. Here is what Miriam Shulman wrote in her review. Smart, witty, and insightful. Five stars. Melissa brings the goods to every episode. Loads of good inspiration here. Thank you, Miriam. See, it was just two super short sentences. Easy breezy. That's it. Until next time, thanks again for joining me and go get creating. Subscribe at creative sandboxway.com slash podcast.